0: Hi there. Welcome and thank you for listening in. I'm super stoked to have you with me. My name is Philip Hartman, and Being Dad is a show for dads. I meet and speak to unique dads, asking them to impart their wisdom and to share their experiences as dads with us. The reason for being dad is my own story. I became a father five times within 13 months. Yes, five times, 13 months. I was seriously underprepared and I struggle to find inspiring content for myself. By meeting and connecting with these men, I'm trying to learn all there is about being a dad. We cover hard to heart topics between two dads, and our aim is to inspire other fathers. And with this, hopefully we can make a positive impact on families around the world.
1: Best advice that I could give myself as a dad um, is to be positive and to always know that you can affect the outcome and... Um, know that things will, um, things will work out. My next dad's name is Andrew Chotel.
0: Andrew and his wife lost one of their children and were accused of baby shaking in the aftermath. The accusation was only cleared after many painful months and obviously the whole situation was beyond traumatic. Andrew takes me through what happened that particular night when they lost the baby and he shares how he managed to cope with the whole situation. The session is very powerful and sad. Andrew said afterwards that he feels this was the first time where he really talked about the loss and he felt maybe this could be a starting point for his own healing. I truly hope so. I have heard this before and there is even a community around this topic. There is an app and there is an online link. I am going to try and share it in the show notes. Apparently often dads feel they are almost forgotten when parents lose a child or only deal with the grieving much later because they take on the role of a supporter and soldier on. I had a similar feeling when we first lost our first pregnancy. In retrospect, I only dealt with the loss a year later and looking back, I don't think I actually had the capacity at the time before that. Despite the tragic story, somehow they got through and with the arrival of their third child, they managed to turn their life back into a positive and happy outlook. This was super awesome to hear. My three main takeaways as a dad were carry on and never give up, Try and deal with sadness and loss as soon as you can. Don't carry the sadness. It was powerful to see that Andrew was able to focus his energy on the rest of the family and manage to turn things around. With that, please enjoy this session of Dedicated.com with Andrew. If you can tell us a little bit about yourself, I know you're 50 years old, you're an amazing work-at-home dad, which I find super inspiring. You're a life and event producer um, and a film director as well. You've got two children, if I'm correct, two, eleven and two. Sutton yeah. is uh, two, right? Yes, that's correct.
1: Just tell us a little bit about yourself as a dad. I'm almost fifty. I've I've been in America now probably over half, well over half my life, uh, approaching thirty years. And you know, my journey as a dad started when I was living in Los Angeles. I was um, going to film school and to be a film director and. Uh, My wife and I um, had our first child who is now 11 and I was, it was definitely not planned and it was, my wife is almost 13 years younger than me and so it was definitely a, um, you know, kind of a a bit of a, a shock to kind of what we were doing and where we were in life and it was like definitely an adjustment. Um, so I think that, um, that kind of, you know, that threw me into being a parent, um, as well as, you know, whilst I was still very focused on, on things that I was doing and I was transitioning out of a career that I had been in the hospitality industry and catering and events for, um, probably about 15 years. And I I had realized that I needed to a new creative outlet. So I'm, I was in the point of transitioning into this new career becoming a film director in a city that obviously is everyone wants to become a film director in in la and and there was certainly lots of competition so (laughs) i you know i was i was trying to not only focus on that but then i had this you know we had this baby and you know learning how to to be able to spend time with that but I was very fortunate because you know in the process of of doing the film stuff it gives you a lot of latitude and time and I found myself for the first 6 months of our son's life being able to really be present and have time with my wife and be able to spend time at home with um with this with this child and so that was wonderful you know then you know, through some moves and moving out of L.A., realizing that after we had made made my first film that, you know, um, you know, we need I may need, need to go do some other things whilst we were trying to sell the film and and get to get some traction there. Um, we ended up moving back to the East Coast and, you know, my wife started working um, here and I found a, a, a different job and it was then it was then it was back to the sort of the, the usual life most people have of you know two parents working and trying to find the time to you know see your your child before they go to bed every night getting home from work in time to see them and and that type of thing those
0: two different periods almost where in the beginning you said you really had a lot of time for 6 months to be with the child, to be at home, to spend time, versus now you're doing a normal nine-to-five kind of regular uh, um, lifestyle where both parents work and you're trying to see the child before. How was
1: that for you? Um, it was, it, yeah, it's quite, I mean, it's it's a challenge. I mean, obviously, between the two, I think that I learned, you know, after spending so much quality time um, with, with with peers that it was, you um, yeah, it was definitely something that when you're when you're working all the time, you realize, wow, I'm missing out on a lot. You know, you see how much, you know, they grow up so quickly, and you're coming home, and yeah. then you know, six months later, you kind of feel like you've missed a chunk of of their life. So it was a transition, but I think it was. Look, I think it was great as having that memory of what you could have when you spend that time, um, and and that sort of. Really, you know, completely sort of immersed time with, with a child. Um, how much that really affects them and 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 just their emotional state. Uh, so you know, but then it's you know then it's tough because when you can't give that to your child, you you know it's it's a tough. then, then you realize because you really know what you're missing. But anyway, so you know, I feel like we, um, you know, you then have to try and tr- sort of find that balance. And I think we've struggled. For, for many years, trying to get that balance back again, um, with us both working and trying to establish ourselves in new careers. Um, and, you know, not being able to have, um, have that time, although we had my wife's family who were very much involved, and um, we were um, very close to them, and, and they would, you know, take care of, of peers a lot. So um, at least there was family close by. So, you know, after Piers got to be about three or four, you know, we, he was in preschool and school and, you know, we went through that stage of, okay, you know, I think it's probably, we're we're ready to have another child. And, you know, we were excited about kind of that. Piers was starting to talk about having a brother or a sister all the time. It's, I guess, a natural thing when he's at school with friends that all have younger sisters, brothers, older, you know, um, siblings. And so we started to look at having another child, um, you know, which proved a little bit more complicated. Marielle, my wife, um, found that, you know, after trying many times, it wasn't as easy as we had had thought um, from the first time. And we ended up having to do fertility treatment and she needed help to be able to to conceive um, the second time around. So we went through, you know, as a couple and as a, um, you know, as a family, we went through that, you know, all of that emotion of, you know, trying um, on several occasions and, and it not working and, you know, the, obviously the disappointment, um, we finally, um, you know, a year later, a year and a half later, um, we got the news that um, it had been successful and we had a, um, and that she was pregnant we, um, you know, the usual journey of, you know, another pre- of, of another pregnancy and it all went very smoothly. And uh, my wife had scheduled a C-section uh, um, since Piers was an emergency C-section in the end. And so that was that was kind of all went to plan. And we yeah. had Tristan, our second son, um, in 2014 in January, same month as Zara, the son was born and everything was great. You know, we we, you know, was just enjoying Having him, we both were working, but we kind of tried to kind of find that time to be able to the balance, uh, which I think we did pretty well. And we sort of were cruising along, and you know the summer was approaching. We got to Memorial Day weekend, and we had just spent a really great weekend. Piers was learning how to ride a bicycle. We were out on the Sunday afternoon. It was just a glorious sunny day. Um, sitting out on the front of the house with Tristan and watching Piers learn how to, to ride his bicycle. And it was just a great day. We all sort of kind of sat down for dinner that night, and we all kind of just said, you know, we'd put Tristan to bed and said, you know, we're very lucky. We're in a really good place, and and everything, you know, has, um, you know, and every, everything we're, everything has come around, and we're, and, and we're very happy with where we're at. Um, that night, we um, we were sleeping, and Marielle woke up, and, um, And was kind of a little concerned because usually Tristan's woken up for his, you know, feeding in the middle of the night. We usually hear him. Um, So it was a little later than than usual, um, around three, four in the morning. And so she went to go check on Tristan and found him face down in his bed. And he was, you know, having trouble breathing. And we um, immediately, she grabbed him, brought him into our room and was in a bit of a panic as far as what we should do. And I said, well, let's just get him to the hospital. So she immediately jumped in uh, one of our cars. Um, There was a hospital that fortunately was close by and she just drove to the hospital which was less than five minutes. Um, I obviously had to stay at the house to start with because our son Piers um, was in the house. So I, I waited just to wake him up to, to bring him to the hospital. Um, Mario rushed, rushed to the emergency room. They immediately started doing work on him and Tess. Um, at this point, he was really um, not breathing very well. He was um, very cold, um, was not blue, but, but was very cold. And, you know, the doctors obviously were very concerned. And they then um, realized that they weren't able to treat him at that hospital. That they needed to get him down into DC, into one of the children's hospitals, one of the other hospitals. So they airlifted yeah, him down. Mariel and I drove down. Her mother, thankfully, had come over and and, and was taking care of peers. Piers. We went down to the hospital, and you know, then ensued three days of really just agonizing, um, you know, emo- emotions and and everything of of kind of coming to the realization that that Tristan. Um, had suffered some sort of uh, a, a seizure or something that um, that they weren't quite sure what it was, but um, had had stopped breathing, and they were um, they had done tests and they, they said that there was very significant brain damage and that um, it was very unlikely that he was going to recover. Wow! So we spent you know the next two or three days in the hospital. Um, he was hooked up to life support and. You know, on the third day, um they said that they would undergo some tests and and, and they would then do a couple of of of, of tests to, to see if like they, if, what would happen if they would take him off the life support. And at that point the doctor said there's really nothing more we can do and that um you know it's time to say goodbye um to him. So um, you know, we had um, you know, it was a really really tough night. Marielle ended up, um, the nurses were great. She ended up sleeping the last night with him um, in, in, in his bed with him and, you know, with him on literally on her, on her stomach and um, kind of got to, to say goodbye the way she wanted to. And, and then we um, the next morning we said goodbye. Um, it was a very tough time, you know, and, and it was a very, obviously, you know, probably one of the lowest points in our lives or was the lowest point. And, you know, we just were in, in disbelief. Um, but, it, but it, you know, and I, the story, and I'll, I'll tell you, it, it, it took another turn that, you know, less than two hours after this, after saying goodbye, Marielle was asked to go into one of the, the, one of the rooms, the private rooms with, with a couple of folks to talk about Tristan. Um, and she thought they were social workers um, or, you know, grief specialists or something. And, um, you know, a couple of hours into this, I, I go to go check on her to see if she's okay. And there's a, a police uh, officer at the, at the door, and so um, which was unusual. And so I, I go over and try and ask what was going on. And, you know, they were like, you know, you just have to go, go back to the waiting room, sit down. You know, we're talking to your wife. And so um, it was very apparent at this time that all of a sudden what had turned into us losing our son was now like an investigation into his, into his, his death and the causes. No, they separated you two
0: and then, and then started interviewing.
1: Yes. So they started interviewing her. They didn't interview me to start with. It was, it was just her. And so, um, you know, this went on for a couple of hours and, you know, my wife, it's funny, always talk, talks about this, um, afterwards that, even though she really was so unaware of what was going on, she didn't realize who these people were. She said it was almost therapeutic in a way because she was kind of being able to talk about Tristan and his life and obviously what he meant to us and all of these things, um, but not really knowing the circumstances to why these two people were, these two ladies were, were, were talking to her about this in such detail. So, you know, to kind of move forward from that, we sort of soon realised what was going on. One of the other ladies, um, one of the mothers of one of Mario's friends, who was there with us at the time, there was a lot of family and friends. Um, worked at. She was an administrator, who had run hospitals, and, and told us what was going on. That this probably was an investigation um, about the cause of the death. And um, it's sometimes it's it's a sometimes it's a normal thing. Sometimes it's a little bit more unusual, but. Um, she had suggested that we would talk to a lawyer and just get a lawyer to, to, to you know, intervene. Um, so we did, and, and then we did get a lawyer on the phone that, was, that she knew, and um, the lawyer um, called directly one of these two agents because she was used to working with them and, and told them to stop and that we would arrange any further meetings after that through her, and they did. But it was a really. It was just. It was. Ag- I mean, it was agonizing. It was. It was um, surreal. I mean, it was just one of those experiences that you just. It's so hectic. Yeah. So we went through that, and so then we found out that there was um, an investigation because one of the doctors or the head doctor of the, of the unit at the at the ward at the emergency room had. Um, fa- you know, they run a couple of tests. You know, they run many tests, but one of the tests, you know, for like shaking baby, there are several symptoms, and one of the symptoms. Um, was they thought was showing in some of the tests, um, and of the just the way that the the brain is attached, you know, in, within the, in the skull and and the, those those connections. And sometimes, if they if, if within shaking baby, if they if they you know if, if there's you know violent movement of the of the head, that sometimes um, you know you can see some things or there's swelling and things. Um, they can also be attributed to other things, but that's one of the signs anyway. So that triggered this investigation, you know, so this, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, we're told, well, you know, um, the officers had told us that Pierre's our 11 year old son wasn't allowed to be in our house now with us alone, we would have to have a family member or someone present at the house at all times. And we had to go through this whole situation of all these rules and the things of being under investigation um you know they interviewed wow. our son they interviewed our nanny they interviewed you know me separately they interviewed my wife again and this went on and, you know through with the lawyer um the um but the main thing was obviously the autopsy obviously that had to be um that was in the district of columbia in dc where the hospital was where he was admitted and so they went through the whole process but through through un- an unfortunate set of circumstances the Um, I guess the chief pathologist and and who who, um, would have conducted these things, he was just about to leave his post and and then there was a new person coming in. So what, you know, should have taken to get an autopsy and, you know, within two or three weeks to to show the results of everything else to, you know, obviously just hopefully show that, you know, that that obviously there was no shaking baby, um, took almost six months. So we were in this limbo of, we were still under investigation. The investigation couldn't be closed until they had got the autopsy. We were waiting on the autopsy, but they were delayed. And so we were living in this kind of hellish nightmare of not knowing what was going on and couldn't clear our name and were like being looked upon as if we were criminals. And it was, it was horrific. I mean, it was a really, really tough time. At the same time, on top of this, my wife, who you know, is a nervous wreck at this point, but obviously losing her son. Um, she had just was in the process. Well, her her business partner was an all family friend, um, decided that she wanted to, to to break ties. And, you know, she very much had a lot of her family working the business. Marielle had helped build this business, um, you know, and tripled, quadrupled the revenue of the company. And I think... You know, The family were looking at her as just too expensive to to keep at the company. And so they they pushed her out of the company. They did a vote and they pushed her out of the company at the same time this was all going on. So now we're dealing with losing our child, being under criminal investigation. And my wife is sort of being betrayed and kicked out of the company that she helped build and grow um, from an old family friend, this woman that was friends with her parents. And so my wife literally shut down. You know, she, she literally just was, was a person that just wouldn't get out of bed and was literally just ready to end it all. She just didn't want to live. She's like, I, there's no reason for me to live anymore. And so, um, you know, I, I was thrown into the situation of trying to balance Dealing with the the lawyer and dealing with the situation of um, of what had happened um, to us, and also trying to clear our name and trying to keep a level head to be able to, again, move things to a, a positive place to an outcome which you know, obviously, a favorable outcome. But um, you know, I was met with just you know headwinds and just these barriers that I just felt like I almost couldn't couldn't cross with you know not having a wife that couldn't function and couldn't get out of bed. And every day I was having to tell her that, you know, there was a reason for her to live, you know, because of her other son and because of myself Um, and that she had to, she had to try and pull, pull it together and, and, and find, dig deep and find a reason to, to move forward. Yeah. And you had peers to look after as well, I suppose, at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so, you know, I, I, I learned, I learned about digging deep. I learned about resolve. I learned about really my advice at the beginning, like really that was questioned every day. Like, is there going to be a positive outcome? I mean, like, when do I give up? Like, do I, you know, is there a point where I say, I can't do this anymore? It's not worth it. I just, I, you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know or, 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 you know, or, hearing my wife say that she wanted to give up every day. um, Almost want you know, there are times where you kind of almost want to agree and you say, okay, I get it. Like I, I, I agree. I don't, I don't know what we can do, but I didn't. And how did you deal
0: with that? How did you, how did you get your wife to, is there strategies that you kind of learned or how did you, was it just persistence or did you, what did you do in order to, to get through this together?
1: It's a good question. I don't think, I don't think at that point, I think we were at this point in our lives and we were just so ripped to pieces that I don't think you, you can necessarily think about a strategy. I think strategy comes just from within you and it, it's a survival instinct. And I, I don't mean to sound like I had the answers or my, I, I, I don't think I ever thought about what should i be doing and and at this point we hadn't started we hadn't started grief therapy we were about to go do it um so no one had really given us any advice but i just knew the the sort of that survival um the feeling that i had to i had to keep going and because i knew i this this couldn't be the end of my life like losing my wife and having everything in ruins like wasn't like acceptable. Like I couldn't, that, that's not what I wanted. That's not how I wanted this to end. And so I kind of selfishly, I think in a way, I mean, as much as I was looking out for my wife and had her best interests, I think selfishly, I was kind of like, this isn't gonna, I'm, this is not gonna define me. This is not gonna, this is not how I'm gonna live the rest of my life as a, as a husband that lost his son and then lost his wife. Um, and couldn't, bring things back together. And then obviously having to deal with the ramifications of a, you know, a six year old boy who may have issues for the rest, emotional issues for the rest of his life after losing his brother and maybe his mother. um, It wasn't, it wasn't acceptable. I just, I, it is an unthinkable outcome, of course. Right. So I, I think I just kind of got angry about this and I was like, look, I've look, I've had a great life. You know, I've been fortunate in so many things, and I've got so many friends, and I've I've been lucky enough to meet the woman of my dreams that I'm, you know, that that just has created this wonderful life with me and uh, and 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 a great son. Like I, I, wasn't willing to give it up. I wasn't. I was like, no. I mean, this is we're going to figure this out. And I said to her, and I I would get angry with her. I said, look, you know, whether you like it or not, we have to figure this out. We have to get to another place because. This isn't. This isn't going to work. This, you know, we can't do this, and we have to figure out a way to move forward. And that was, you know, the turning point. And you know, it took, it took therapy. And I think to have a second voice. Not only I was now saying this, but now we had this amazing therapist. Um, who, if I, if I could give anyone any advice that is going through the situation, is get into therapy as soon as possible and find someone who is. Um, is is who listens and is and, and hopefully could be as good as as the the young lady that we had because um, and her name was Stephanie and she she just was this great just positive attitude and helped me be able to say things and she would reinforce things and Marielle slowly started I think to believe me that maybe there was a chance and then believed her that there is a chance because she's seen it before she's been through this she's seen her patients that have have you know that have have navigated through these terrible things and it was a slow journey i mean and look honestly philip it's a journey that hasn't ended i mean we still there are times where oh no, of course we're not yeah. we're not in a situation where she's ready to throw herself off a bridge but there are times where she will be in bed and she will just cry and she'll just remember Tristan, something about him, something triggers something and, um, a memory. And, um, it's really, it's really difficult, but you know, it's taken us, you know, five years to get to this point. And another piece of the journey was a couple of years ago, again, another complete surprise after all the fertility and everything else we went through, um, we found out we were pregnant a little under three years ago and we were expecting a daughter, who arrived a couple of years ago, and she's almost two. Sutton, and she has has really just brought this whole new sense of love back into my wife and understanding, and and I think um, has been a huge healing power. You know, um, that really sort of was like the last. It's kind of almost like you go to school and 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 you kind of work through things and you learn and stuff, and I think what I did with, with my wife and w- with our family was, was kind of going through high school and college. But then I think like the masterclass, kind of the getting your master's and, and that, that extra piece was, was our daughter. And that I felt like mended her heart so that she could enjoy life, enjoy our son and just enjoy the things that she hadn't been able to in, in such a long time.
0: Yeah, well done, man. I mean, a lot of other people, I can guarantee you, would not be together anymore, you know. That can also not being able to even carry on with the relationship. And tell me something, how did you deal with the grief? So did you, you were talking a lot around how you supported your wife and how she needed your support in that sense that you would tell her, okay, life's carrying on, and but you also needed healing or you probably still do need, you know, it's an ongoing process. No one can say after five years, this is now done and dusted and we're carrying on, but... What did you do to to sort yourself out as a dad? Or did you find support elsewhere? Or was it through Stephanie as well? Or what was your your, your approach in this?
1: I you know what? I I don't think if I'm being completely honest, I think I was so wrapped up in helping helping Marielle. Um, and being kind of like you just it's I feel like you're a soldier in battle when, you know, you may have, you know, been shot a few times and you're you know, you just, you know, you have to keep moving forward and you just, the adrenaline of, of, of where you're at, um, being in the battle, I just never really stopped to think about, oh crap, I should probably, you know, go put a, a bandage on this bullet hole in my leg. You know, it's like, I think I just was so focused on, on everything else um, that and maybe not in a good way. I kind of put all of my emotions like in this little bottle and put them on the shelf and kind of just put it, I found a way to be able to compartmentalize and just put it somewhere away. Um, I, you know, I did the, the, the grief therapy and then we did everything and, and that helped. I feel like there was less of a burden, but I don't think, I don't think I've really ever truly like tackled it head on. I think I've kind of been able to find a way to live with it, you know, um, in a place that you know um, was uh, was was out of sight and mind for the time being, to, for me to be able to do everything that I needed to do. I think at some point in my life, I probably will have to sit down and, and have some of those those moments to kind of reflect and be able to share with someone, or or at a point where I can share now with my wife and have her kind of help me through some of the things that I still kind of the, you know, the demons that, that, that go along with this, that I've sort of kind of put aside. Yeah. Um, but I, you yeah. know, or
0: you can do a beautiful ceremony,
1: light a candle, yeah. and
0: you know, do, do something symbolic in order to
1: say goodbye. Yeah. And you we've, know? we've talked, ta- we've talked
0: about, try and try
1: and deal we've with it. we talked about doing, you know, something like that. I think that we honor him every year and, um, you know, I, I think of him very fondly and, it's, um, you know, I try not to go back to the moment because I, it, it, I think one of the things that that it did and I, you know, and it, it affected me, you know, I think there was a couple of years that I think there was a lot of anger. I think, you know, and I'm not, I'm a very, you know, people who know me, I'm very passive and very, I'm just not a fiery temporary type of person. But I think, you know, one of the the negatives of going through all of this. I think, you know, as much as I held it together and did everything for everyone else, I think there was part of me that was just very angry about, you know, what had happened to us and why it had happened and it wasn't fair. And, um, you know, and that stayed with me. And I think it's been a gradual thing for me to learn to kind of be able to let that go um, so that it doesn't affect um, whether it's my own personal life or my work life of, you know, you know, interactions with people that I may work with or in other settings. So um, I think that's the thing that, that that's the piece that's left with me that I think that I have to work on that, you know, is still yeah. a part of me. And
0: how, how do you, have you translated this into your current family suit? I mean, current same family, but have you translated this into how you act as a dad today? Not the anger, but the actual, the whole story, the last five years, And your learnings from before that, are you now, this is a very unique story as a dad, isn't it? Are you now acting differently or more conscious or do you spend time differently? Do you make a different emphasis on activities you do with the kids, values that you want to uh, teach them or anything like that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it's lots of different things, right? So there's the obvious, you know, and it's the cliche thing, you know, Trying to spend more time, realizing how much you appreciate the ch- your children and and their times. I think um, being closer and trying to do more things with my son definitely. Um, you know, could I like any parent? Could could I do better? Yes, I think there's always room for improvement. But I think the biggest the biggest difference has been in our daughter, son, who as a baby, just you know having having a baby taken away from you at four months is is really tough it's you know you kind of have all those amazing moments life experiences with a young child as they grow and develop that is just this natural progression and and sort of having that taken away halfway through it's it's very much unfinished you know it's very just this thing that hangs over you and I think one of the things that has been wonderful um, for me especially, and I know for my wife is having our daughter and being able to really spend that time with her and enjoy those moments of her development. And just, you know, um, you know, i probably am much more of a protective of my daughter now than I am of my son, but just because I'm so aware and just so on top of like, okay, she shouldn't be doing this. She should be eating. I mean, you know, I'm a dad that probably cuts her food into extra small little pieces because I'm deathly afraid of like her choking or something, something happening, you know, and it's, you know, <laughs> I, I, it makes me sometimes yeah. question if I'm a little crazy about it. My yeah, wife makes of fun course. of me, but it's, of course, I think it's so important to me, like everything I'm, I am like everything I'm so safe about everything, how we do, however she sleeps or whether we're in the, whether we're in the car or if she's outside playing, I'm just, Ever aware of everything, every little decision that she's making or I- environment that, that she's in. So, um, but again, I think that's a natural thing. I think probably for a parent that's in our situation. Um, that's a natural thing. But yeah. um, I do appreciate, I mean, I really, um, I appreciate everything now. I think when you lose, whether it's as, as a child, but if you lose a parent or you lose a, a sibling, I think you you take that and you try and figure out okay how do i enjoy everything more and be more involved in people especially the the people closest to you around you so i think as a dad i think i've i've really tried to make sure that my daughter is is just experiencing and and just having fun and same with my son um and just you know life is very precious and i want them to just every minute i don't you know f- I, I want to make every, every day fun and special for them. And I, and I think, um, you know, it's just tr- trying to constantly think of ways to, to be able to do that for them. Yeah, that's a very good takeaway for this, this kind of,
0: for the outcome really to, to focus more on the kids and to be, to be involved and to spend the time, to spend quality time. I think that's, that's the, the key. I mean, being protective over your children makes sense in any case. And I don't think there's a, there's, there's not, cannot be too much, you know, whatever you feel is appropriate in that right. sense is fine. It's nobody's business anyways, you know, and yeah, that's good.
1: Well, the other, yeah, the other thing, the other piece of this is not only kind of focusing back in on your own family. And I think that's, like I said, that's sometimes this is the natural thing, right? Cause they're, you know, your family is close around you and you, and you realize that that that's important. But I think one of the things that, and I still have lots to do. I mean, including what what we're talking about. But you know, we—I um, was really proud of my wife. She was brave enough to. We spoke to um, some reporters about what we had been through with the whole SIDS and and, our, and losing our son and the investigation and shaking baby. And we we found discovered this whole this whole area of um, of this sort of unknown diagnosis and and this. These medical symptoms that can sometimes show up that will cause people to be um, you know miss um, um, be accused of, um, of of shaking baby syndrome and oh really so this happens this happens uh, regularly yeah well, it, there's been some very notable cases. So we were approached by these reporters. We ended up speaking to them, and and I spoke to um, a number of reporters with um, um, various outlets, NBC and ABC, and we ended up choosing to do a piece with um, PBS and Newshour um, because they were really spending the time on it. It was one of those in one of those things that one of their reporters, it was really important to them and one of the producers. And there were a couple of very well-known cases, one in the UK where a woman had been in prison for, I want to like, say it was 10, 12 years or something. And then there was new, you know, new evidence surfaced and things that, that showed that um, with all of the research that was going on, that her, um, the the diagnosis and the results were kind of misinterpreted and that, that you know, that she wasn't, um that she had not, um, you know, she wasn't guilty of shaking baby. And and so, um, and she was released, but there were a number of these cases and it's, it's amazing still how easy it is to misdiagnose the situation. And so one of the things that my wife and I were were very much after we, we did this interviews and, and we were, um, on, on news hour for one of, for this, for this special show. And it just, I, you know, I, I, Feel like I have so much more to do. I haven't found the right platform, the right thing. We set up a um, a foundation for Tristan and had given money to research, but we also um, my wife in her new business, her her new company has a pay it forward and a give back to to causes like this and to help people and, and to research and things um, from from money that they make from the company. And I feel like it is very important. It's it's you you. You go through something like this, and you find out, like a topic like this, that is very unusual. That you know is misunderstood, and you know that people are suffering. You know through this, and and you know they may be accused of, misaccused of, of doing something like this when, in it in, and they didn't. And now, on top of like the grief and the loss of losing a child, they're now you know they have to contend with all of all of this uh, on top of it. So I mean, you know, I, I my my goal is to, to to try and figure out ways to be able to help. My wife has become friends through Facebook of some women that have been through a similar situation, and she's spent time talking to them and almost kind of counseling them and just talking them through our our situation and what happened and how what they should be doing and and, and helping them sort of on that road to to recover and and just emotionally be able to. To move forward. So look, you know, we, I feel like we've touched the surface. We haven't certainly done enough yet, but I, I feel like that is something that I really would love to be able to do more of, um, you know, in the, in the future to be able to help people that, that have been in a similar situation and also help the research help on the medical side, um, for doctors to be able to have the right tools. So when they're in this situation, they can make the right judgments and, and be able to read the information and see the symptoms, so that if there is in case, indeed a case of shaking baby, they should be able to know that and then be able to work with lawmakers and, and the authorities to be able to prosecute, um, you know, whether it be husbands, wives or whoever that was involved in the mistreatment of, of, of these children. But I think that, um, you know, I think it's it's still a very um, sensitive and it's still a very sort of a subject that that hasn't hasn't been able to be explored. Yeah, of course. Um, and it's not as easy as it should be, you know, to, to diagnose and, yeah. and to be able to know what's going on.
0: And are there, you mentioned there are groups from, for women, for mothers on, on Facebook. Are there also groups or, or, or men who are organized around this topic and speak about this?
1: Uh, you know what? We haven't found so many topics. There are a couple. We, we did speak to one lady that that had organized a group, mostly my wife through the Tristan so I think people through the Tristan Trust had found out about Marielle and just approached her through Facebook people that were going through this they had done their research they'd seen okay. the story that we had done on News Hour and had reached out because of that they had reached out to to us but you know I, I think it's 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 a subject that has a little bit of taboo to it I I, I think it's it's not people don't like to talk about it you know it's um yeah, it, it's a it's a weird it's a yeah weird because subject. it's
0: horrible. I mean, the, the 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 just to imagine, you know, if 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 you lose a child and then the next thing you you're basically being accused uh, uh, of baby shaking, that's that's horrible. So it's it's difficult to talk about, you know. Well,
1: there's always yeah, there's always you know you know you feel like in anything. And look, we see it so much in our in the world today and, and the society we live, you know, where with social media and everything and people getting accused of things, look, I mean, there are so many occasions where you can be innocent, you can be accused of something, but once that, once that accusation or that, that news or that information gets out into sort of the social media world, um, it lives with you. And, and there are always going to be people that may think, well, you know, well, are they innocent? You know, did you know? And so, I think it's look. I think it's tough for any um, parent to think that and to 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 have that accusation when, you know, for the most part, most of these parents obviously love and adore their children more than anything in the world, and they would would want nothing ever to, to happen to them. Um, it's a tough situation when you have the spotlight on you, and and you know, you have this. You're being sort of you know, um, observed and, and, you know, that you're just under the microscope about, you know, what all of the things that you do and how you act and, and, you know, as part of that, um, investigation. But look, I mean, yeah, of course we were fortunate, you know, the, the, when the, um, you know, when the, finally, when the pathologist, when the, the autopsy came back, you know, our name was cleared. It took six, you know, six agonizing, actually, almost like eight months. Um, you know, we were fortunate that we we could move on, and it's been it's been a journey that you know it has definitely, in some ways, made us stronger. But um, it's not something that I would ever want to, to go through, or ever and see anyone else have to go through. It. Of course not, um, yeah. because you know, there's always the chance you don't make it through the other side. We were, I consider ourselves very lucky. I think I fought for everything, and I think you know that that's part of it. But you know, at the end of the day, there's There's luck, there's other forces at at work that that helped us get to where, you know, where we are now, Um, you know, and and I think you, you you know, you hope, hope that, you know, in any situation that that's the case.
0: Yeah, I think a big takeaway for me is the, basically what you mentioned, trying to find help as soon as possible, and then you were lucky enough to find Stephanie with her amazing healing power. That is something that's very important. I think if you go through the situ- through a situation like this, where you're losing a child, um, you have to find help. You can't expect yeah. parents to just deal with this yourself. You know, let alone um, uh, criminal accusations on top of this. But if if you lost, lose a child, if you lost a child, you have to find help immediately. That's that's one of the big takeaways, I think, from what you're telling me.
1: Yes, I mean, we were fortunate that we had this friend that that was an administrator with a with a, a large hospital um, in in Washington, and she um, had connections with this Went Center, which they were amazing. They were fabulous, and um, and Stephanie, and we. Um, I don't think we would have made it. I mean, my wife always says that she wouldn't have. I mean, obviously with my help, but wouldn't have made it through without without the help of of, of Stephanie, and and I think that, that was um, you know, such an important part of the journey. And, you know, so often in life, we think we can do everything ourselves and we think we can, you know, kind of get through whatever. But, um, you know, I learned that that's truly one of those things to have a professional of someone that, that has navigated, been through this, has the experience to kind of help you talk about the things and get out the things that you need to, um, was, um, so beneficial and and it was you know i mean instrumental in 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 Marielle's recovery
0: yeah yeah and maybe in yours in the future too when you start the healing process yeah yeah wow yeah thank you for sharing this andrew this is obviously uh, being a dad myself unthinkable this is
1: uh, I, I can't even imagine what you went through it's it's crazy no, it's um, it's definitely it's a journey, and and you know you hope that you don't go through the sort of the, the situations like this. But you know we have a lot to be thankful for, and and you know we tell each other this all the time. And you know we have two wonderful children. We have our third son Tristan, who is with us every step of the way, and we, we think about and we remember and we we celebrate him. Um, you know, and he's very much a part of of Piers, yeah, his brother's life. Um, and, you know, hopefully when Sutton is old enough and gets to hear the story that she will, you know, be able to embrace Tristan and, and know that she has another brother as well. Um, it's, um, you know, it's a very important, important thing. And I think that, um, you know, Piers realizes, our son realizes how, you know, how much that Tristan means to him and, you know, he's very much a part of his life. So... Yeah. I mean, you know, we, you know, you move forward and, and I think that you um, you have to celebrate, you know, everything, you know, in life with, with the kids and and their health and um, you know, and I, and you know, that's, that's a big takeaway is that, you know, we try and we're always now trying to find things that, you know, will, will make them happy and do things that, you know, really um, help um, us as a whole family be able to, um, you know, just to, to appreciate how lucky we are now. So
0: that's a good end, the celebration and appreciate life and make sure that you actually live life and not just pass it by. Because life is so hectic and so busy that you almost forget to 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 wake up and smell the roses and look around you and how beautiful it actually is. Right, right, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Andrew. This was super interesting and obviously quite quite sad, but at the same time inspirational. Thank you for sharing. And, and yeah, thank you for being on the show.
1: No, thank you, Philip. No, it's a pleasure to talk to you. And I, and, you know, obviously, you know, our story, hopefully, will be able to um, help someone else going through going through the same, same situation or a similar situation. It doesn't have to be, you know, the exact, um, you know, circumstances, but something along those lines, I think it, um, hopefully, if it can help someone else, then um, I know that, that would certainly make, um, Tristan very happy. Um, so just one, you know, one last thing, you know, and we just remembering Tristan after this, we, you know, when, when he passed, we had, um, been approached to donate, um, organs because it was the sort of the situation with his, you know, with his condition, you know, really being the damage to his brain, but obviously all of his organs being very healthy. And he was a very big, strong kid. Um, he um, he ended up donating his GI tract and his heart um, to two different children. Um, one that was a a young girl in um, from Japan um, who received his heart transplant. Um, probably about I don't know a couple of months after after and no uh, not even that long but I've, I've but short while after wow. and we we found out a couple of months afterwards. They don't tell you until a little bit afterwards. And to make sure that, you know, that the, the operation had been successful. And the GI tract, I think, was in a, uh, a young Hispanic boy. And I'm not sure if he was from this country, if, he, if he, his parents had brought him here for the, for the operation, um, like the Japanese girl. But um, from the last time we spoke uh, to, to, through the organization um, a year or so ago, the, the young girl was doing amazingly well. She had she had, she was back in Japan and and um, progressing really well and growing and developing and and going to lead a, a very healthy life and have a very positive outcome. So, you know that's you know one last little takeaway is just knowing that you know um, obviously Tristan is very much still with us here somewhere and part of this this girl's life and this young boy's life that now have a, an opportunity to 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 hopefully live out their dreams which is a huge huge thing super
0: thank you so much for listening in i really hope you liked this session if you did please share this podcast i'm sure you know someone who wants to hear this make no mistake your shares are meaningful and they drive our success so thank you for sharing thanks for listening in hope to catch you next time have an awesome day Ciao.